Hi, this is Pastor Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. We're walking through the book of Luke, thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, to see the world the way he does, and to integrate his patterns into our life. I hope you enjoyed the sermon today. I also want to point you to the description section where you can find the church's website. We would love for you to visit our church and consider investing in our ministry. There's two other links. One is a podcast I do with a therapist at Renew Church, and we kick around issues like dating, mental health, and friendships. And lastly, there's a children's book series and a journal that I wrote with my wife and my mentor, and we'd love for you to look at those resources as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Renew Church family, and I hope that you enjoy the sermon today. God bless. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out, and hopefully you got some time to answer the questions, meet the people around you. My name is Wilson. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and really grateful to share God's Word with you this morning. We'll be going through um, a passage in Matthew that parallels with the Luke account we've been walking through over the last few weeks. But before I talk about that, I'm really excited about our anniversary. Again, it's uh, November 5th, first sa- Sunday of November, and we're combining to one service. So we wanted to have lunch together. We wanted to have a single experience. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of a layout. Even though I love surprising people, the staff is like, usually people don't like that as much as you do. So uh, we'll fill this out. We'll have about 100 chairs on stage. And then we'll have worship. I'll do a short devotional. And then we'll start excusing, <coughs> not COVID, so I still have bronchitis. Um, I'm taking antibiotics. I think it's not contagious. So anyways, um, we'll start excusing different rows from the back to the front, having a staffer lead you guys up the stairs. And then we'll have four different stations um, on different ways that we can be involved in community. And then we'll rotate through, come downstairs, have a lunch. And uh, we have t-shirts for our anniversary that you have to buy to celebrate you. Um, and, uh, but they're really, they're really great. We're not making that much money off of you. So yeah, that's why it's a gift. All right. Uh, I love Disneyland, by the way. Here's, here's my Disneyland shirt. You know how to go look for it because uh, it wasn't on sale. It's, it's been discontinued. And it's like our favorite place to go. Now, I'm a pastor. I don't make that much money. But Nina is an OT. And so if you're judging me at all about how we're spending money, it's from her. It's from her occupational therapy work. But we do a ghetto, right? We park in the residence, and we walk two miles. We pack all our food. And uh, Levi is trans age at Disneyland. He's under, he's under three years old. Um, and so we do a ghetto, and, but we love it because of the Disney magic. So this is a day where I got to experience Disney magic. My friends went, Garland, Cynthia, and their kids, and my, my wife went with Cynthia and the kids to Thunder Mountain. And me and Garland are hanging out at a bench, just chatting it up, right? It's like a two-hour wait. And uh, we're just talking. Lila's with me. I'm holding her. And all of a sudden, he looks over, and he's like, I think that's Jeremy Lin. Now, I love Jeremy Lin because he lived all of my Asian-American dreams, right? I wanted to be a baller. My... My screen name was God's Baller, and they both had very high value in my life, maybe the same. So he was a baller, and he was a Christian. He did it all, and he made my mom proud by going to Harvard, right? So just everything I could ever want embodied in one human. So I started running after him. 
I, I handed my baby to, to Garland, ran after him with the empty stroller. When you see someone running around with an empty stroller, it's super creepy, you know, like something terrible happened. And so I run past Nina, she's like, where's my child? And then I see Jeremy, and then I'm like afraid to approach him. All of a sudden I stop, it's like the glory of the Lord, you know? And also he was fortified with uh, different people around him. So I'll show you the, the picture I did get. <clears throat> it's like, um, that's his mom. Uh, she didn't want to walk, right? So she's behind him. That's his brother to the side with his stroller. There's a Disney worker in the front, and that's Jeremy with the white shirt. And I just stopped, and I was like, and no words came out of my mouth. And Liam came up to me. He's like, who are you worshiping? I'm like, I'm worshiping Jeremy Lin, right? And then, um, and then I, I said, Liam, will you go to him, pull on his arm, and ask him for a photo? So Liam doesn't care. He runs through that fort of people. He pulls on Jeremy's arm, and he's like, can I have a photo with you? It's like, he, he must be thinking, like, I thought Dad didn't want me to take photos with strangers, you know? So the next slide is uh, Jeremy, he graciously, <laughs> like his whole family's looking at me like, you're a terrible human, we just want to be here walking around. You sent your son, you know. But anyways, Liam got a photo with him. Noelle Garland's uh, daughter was thrown in there. And then he keeps walking. And I realized that my day is going to get significantly better because he's walking towards edge of the galaxy. There's a road from uh, Thunder Mountain to edge of the galaxy. I was like, I think he's going on rise. And we too were now going on rise. So I'm walking behind him, alongside of him. He must be thinking like, what else do you want from me? Are you going to hang out with us the whole day, right? So I'm just walking behind him, a little creepy. And uh, I was like, this is amazing. God is so good and sovereign because he for sure will have a fast pass. We never get fast passes. I told you how we do Disneyland Ghetto and with a little bit less integrity than, you know, I would like to have usually. And so we're, we're getting to rise and, and something amazing happened. We had tried to go to rise in the morning, but it broke down. And they gave me a fast pass. So I'm like, I am going to get interrog interrogated with Jeremy Lin. So we get right to the ride. He stops there. I was like, I knew it. I knew it's going to happen. So I walk in first because I didn't want him to think I was following him the whole time. Like, I came here for rise, not for you. So me and Garland and a few kids, we walk through the fast pass line. We're walking through the lines. And then I look behind. And uh, Nina stayed out with Lila, and I couldn't see Jeremy. So I, I stood at this like little corner, and I just let people pass me. <laughs> and my friend's like, you are super creepy right now. <laughs> and he had to say that like 15 times. And I was like, fine. And so I, I went to rise with him. I kept looking back. He's like, Jeremy's not coming. And then I get outside. <clears throat> and um, Nina's like, I got to spend like 20 minutes with Jeremy's family. He was like 10 <laughs> feet away talking about life. I, talked to, you know, I looked at his wife the whole time, his mystery wife, and I would just started crying. And then next slide, um, we ended up being like a few feet away from his family encampment. And... Um, <laughs> That's the whole sermon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, when you think about Jesus at this point of his career, he had a lot of people who were following him. 
And when you are a fan of someone and you haven't really interacted with the person, you're just kind of just like following, following him from a distance. Think about the influence serves you uh, stock on Instagram or the YouTube uh, vloggers that you look at or any celebrities. A lot of people were gathering around Jesus that didn't know him well. And they have a lot of different views of him. So in the next slide, I'm going to read the whole passage to you. <coughs> and then... Um, and then we'll walk through each question. When Jesus came to a region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. On the next slide, we see the different views of Jesus. And this is actually a reiteration of Luke chapter 9, 7 to 9, where Herod is hearing about Jesus. And these are the things they're saying. Is this Elijah? Is this one of uh, the other prophets? Is it John the Baptist? And then he replies, you know, um, Herod replies, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? John raised from the dead. Elijah, one of the prophets from long ago. So he's questioning who Jesus is. And a lot of people had these questions. Many of the Jews thought he was one of the prophets of old. The Romans were afraid of Jesus leading a rebellion, and there are messiahs that come after him who lead rebellions against Rome with the Jews. All of them fail. The Pharisees rejected Jesus as a false teacher. They were plotting against him. They tried to trap him with questions and turn the crowds against him. And it was really the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Again, those be attitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the hungry. Those are the people that were blessed that Jesus is saying congratulations because they were the first to accept, follow, and love him. I think about all the ways we would answer this question and how I want to approach this passage is to think about sitting in front of Jesus with his disciples and having him ask us questions, having him go into this didactic teaching with us. If he were to ask us today, who do people say the Son of Man is, I think about all these different versions of Jesus. If you go to the next slide, there's Christmas Jesus, right? Um, you, Christmas Jesus is you just going to him because you need stuff. You need the next job promotion. You want to get married. You want another kid. And your only relationship with him is that moment in the year where you're like, Jesus, I should be good enough for this next thing that I want. Or I should be good enough for you to pull me out of the situation I am. All the prayers are wrapped around asking for stuff. And then there's like hipster Jesus or hype priest Jesus who pretty much agrees with everything that's cool in culture. Wherever the culture is going in its views on sexuality or politics, that's where Jesus is at too. That's why he's He's really cool and easy to hang out with. He has no disagreements with our societal views in this moment. Then there's America Jesus, um, hyper-masculine, crushes beer, 
uh, probably votes Republican every time. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. And then lastly, I have like 16 more jokes, but you know. Um, nice guy Jesus. He's someone who just will never disagree with you on anything, right? If you want affirmation, a thumbs up on the way you're living your life, two thumbs up, and a beautiful smile from Jesus. The next slide, but who, what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Uh, Matthew answers, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. But I wonder, again, if Jesus asked us this question, how we would respond. If Jesus were to sit in front of you and say, who do you say that I am? You, not your pastor, not your denomination, not your mom or your wife or your parents. But when you search inside your heart and say, who is Jesus to me? What would you say to that? And how does your life give an account for what you've said, for your confession? Does your life have substance to the truth in how you're interacting with Jesus? If someone were to take account of your life or when you reflect back, you'd say, man, I know Jesus is Messiah, Son of God. I know he's Lord, but if I were to be honest with myself, I only go to him when I'm in a crisis. I, my prayers are wrapped around requests. If I were to be honest with myself, when I'm really at a crossroad, all I want from Jesus is thumbs up and a smile. I think about a really intimate conversation I had with a friend growing up. We went to the same church. She listened to the same sermons. Uh, she listened to my sermons. So she knows all the right answers. But when we got to the core of how she saw Jesus, she said it's like going to her grandparents' house. I really think of Jesus like I visit him on Sunday afternoons. I enjoy our conversations. He makes me tea. But when I leave his house, I'm just living my own life. I make all my own decisions. The rest of my life is fully independent from him. He's like my grandpa. And I love that because she was willing to go through some of the religious facade we could put on, the, question, the answers we know, and say, this is actually how I see Jesus. So Jesus is in front of you. And this morning, I want you to hear him ask you, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Again, in the next slide, Peter answers, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. <clears throat> Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. I think about the difference between knowing Jesus through others and hearing about him and what it looks like to know Jesus through experiencing him or these moments where the Father reveals the Son to you. It could still be in the context of other people and community, but there's a difference, right? You've all had moments where you're opening God's word, even with your small group or with me on Sundays, but his, you're experiencing him. You're hearing his voice. You feel the spirit stir in your heart. And there are times where it's like an academic exercise. You're half in it, or you're just in it to learn something new. I think about me and Jeremy Lin, and all the 
the, like the movies I watched of him, 38 at the Garden or Linsanity, I watched those over and over again. Again, just to give me some hope in life. I'm just kidding. And um, so I saw his highlight reels over and over again when he did the New York uh, run. And I knew, I watched his interviews, so I knew him, but I've never experienced him. And I wish, you know, Ernest makes fun of me. He's like, you spend your whole life talking, and in the moment we need most, no words are coming out of your mouth. You're not going to invite him to renew church. You're not going to ask him out for dinner. But, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand in front of him and be like, you're Jeremy Lin. And he's like, you're Wilson Wang. <laughs> I listened to your podcast. I gave it a five-star review, you know? I would love to have dinner with our families. I've always wanted to go on a double date with you, Wilson. And I would just start crying. You know, let's go on rides together. He didn't say any of those things. And so, shockingly, maybe because I was running around with the empty stroller. I don't know. Maybe that's why. So, um, but I wonder when we, when we think about Jesus, is it like me and Jeremy Lin, where we know a lot about him? where we grew up hearing his name and his stories, but we've never sat down face to face. We don't feel like he knows us. It's just from afar. <clears throat> I think about these little moments and that God has come through for others just in our community this week. I asked uh, these people for permission. Rocco was going through a job interview process um, and just feeling a little nervous about it, <coughs> or really nervous, and uh, it's a job he really wanted. And he kept med meditating on Philippians chapter 4, the peace of God um, guarding, that surpasses all understanding, guarding our hearts in Christ Jesus. He said he just recited that over and over again, and he got to experience God's peace in a way that he knew he couldn't cultivate or create in his own heart. I think about Ethan, Stephanie, and Ernest's son. We were having uh, wine together, and they were saying how Ethan was in his room talking to his stuffy and saying, you don't have to be scared because Jesus lives in your heart, which is terrible theology because <laughs> Jesus doesn't live in the hearts of stuffies. But, he isn't, but he's reflecting, right? He's reflecting that Jesus is in my heart. I don't have to be afraid. And I was telling them, like, it's so cute to hear that, and I believe it's true. I believe that Jesus is showing up in Ethan's heart as a, um, as a, as a kid, as a three-year-old, or four-year-old, four, as a four-year-old, and in his fear, giving him peace as he reaches out to him. I hope that in our lives, we would create space to hear from Jesus and to be with him. And I hope that all the things we do as a community, it wouldn't for the sake, be the sake of ritual and rhythm, but, but the most important part of you coming to church on Sunday is that you, in your worship, is experiencing Jesus, that he shows up. That's why we turn the team toward each other, because we want you to know that it's not about them. And that all of us are on the worship team. We can sit anywhere on the stage over here, but we're all joining in worship, putting our eyes on the Lord, wanting to experience him. That's why we're hearing God's word. Every day in our Bible devotional plan, we're going through the book of Esther and reflecting back and forth what we heard. That's why we're hearing God's word today. 
Because we hope that in this space we're creating, that you would encounter Jesus. That you would learn about him accurately and then desire to experience that God that you're reading about in this ancient text or you're hearing about in our stories. That Jesus showing up for Ethan or Rocco is a story about how he wants to show up with you because he's the same and he loves us and he wants us to experience him. That's why we go to scripture. I hope that's why you're listening to scripture this morning because you're like, I want to hear and know and have that interaction with this Jesus. That's why we want to have a rhythm of silence and solitude in our lives and equip our church for that. To turn our eyes away from screens, to turn our ears away from each other and podcasts, and to say, God, speak to me. I want to be with you. I want to experience you. All that we do, how do we do it? Because we want um, the Spirit to reveal himself to us. That who Jesus is isn't primarily revealed to us by flesh and blood, by one another, by the voice of another, by someone next to us. But that Jesus, the Spirit, peels away the mystery of God, and then you see it because he showed it to you. He showed it to you. And that's the moment we come to faith when we're wrestling, God, are you real? And then the Spirit peels away the blindness of our eyes and ears, and we encounter him, and we know he's real. He peels away that question of, can you really forgive me? And he reveals that Jesus dies on the cross for our sin. And we experience our sin lifted from us. Peace for the first time. We're not hiding. We're not running. We're not trying to make up for it. Have you experienced Jesus? Because he's revealed forgiveness and love and his person to you. That's why you showed up today. That's why you pray. That's why you go to small group, to create those spaces to find Jesus. In verse 17, uh, or 18, it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. <clears throat> when, Jesus, when God reveals who he is, he's also revealing who we are. In the same moment that Jesus says, you are the Messiah, he finds his identity and purpose under the revelation of God. Has who God is defined who we are? Is our identity embedded into God's identity? And if we do that, if we tether who we are to who God is, our identity will never be shaken. Our identity won't be subjected to circumstance or to the comments of others. Our identity won't be pulled out from under us when something in our life collapses, and, and that happens over many years. When our identity is tethered to God, we know who we are, and it doesn't change. When God reveals that he's father to you, and you say, because you're my father, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, where else what else can give you value that is remotely close to the God of the universe bringing you into family? 
So you're, we're, we start to let go of all the other people trying to define us, our workspace, our bosses, our beauty, Instagram, and we say, no, I'm none of these things. Primarily, the core of me, the core of who I am, is that I'm a daughter of the Most High. He sees me, he knows me, he loves me. I'm his son. When we think about Jesus as Savior, we are righteous not because of our own works, not because we checked all the Christian boxes or we didn't, or we didn't do any grotesque sins, that I'm sure we all have, but because our identity as righteous is tethered to his identity as Savior. He died for us and he forgave us. That's it. That will never change. It's unconditional. So we can always stand before the Father righteous. Jesus imputes his righteousness on us so that the Father sees us as righteous. When we think about who God is, has that defined who we are? It's out of who Jesus is that he names Peter the rock. And Peter's personality is not very rock-like. It's not steady or stern. He's not anchored often. Even in that conversation later on, Jesus says, I'm going to die at the cross. And, and Peter says, don't do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You see that pendulum swing? You're the Messiah. Great job. You're the rock. Don't die on the cross. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah? In one conversation, he, went all, he crossed a huge spectrum. In one conversation, Peter says, um, I will never leave you. Right? Even if everyone else leaves you at the Last Supper, as Jesus is serving wine and bread, I will never leave you. I'll go unto death with you. And then before the morning, before the sun rises, I never knew you. Jesus wasn't calling out who Peter was. He was calling out who Jesus is creating him to be. Something deeper than who we are now. He was calling out something that Peter would become. He became a rock to the church. He preached without flinching at Pentecost. He ends up dying upside down for Jesus the way that he said he would years ago. There's something about knowing who God is that calls us into who we are in our unique destiny and journey. I love this passage in Revelations where when we get to heaven, Jesus gives us all a white rock. In uh, the ancient times, a white rock is like a ticket to a concert. It, and it's like this entrance into heaven. He gives us the white rock, but on the rock is a name on it that only he and you will know. Something intimate and personal about Jesus giving you a name that only he and you know. When we know him, we know ourselves. When we see him clearly, we see who we are. Has what you've known about Jesus over the many years changed the way you've seen yourself? Changed your destiny, your purpose, your course of life? All right, I got one more story. It takes place in Disney, so um, I don't know how to transition this. There's something better than what I just did there. <coughs> um, so me and Leah, 
we're lined up. Uh, you can show the next slide. And we are going into Disneyland. This is little Liam. Like, he's like Levi's age at this time. We're at Toontown. Mickey has a house there. We're lining up, looking at his house. And this is Liam's Jesus, right? He has wanted to meet Mickey forever. <laughs> he watches um, Mickey's Clubhouse every morning. He watches Roaster Racers. So he's in love with Mickey Mouse. And um, we're at the front of the line. The door's open, and Mickey's there waving, waving at Liam and me. And we're at the front of the line, so it's a fully immersive experience. There's like 20 kids behind us and parents. We walk in. He welcomes Liam. He gives him a big hug. He, like, he spends time with Liam, and he's so present, right? He's like looking at Liam and just like super present. And I can't believe how much time we're getting with Mickey Mouse. And I, I'm, almost, I'm starting to feel very self-conscious. Like there's all these other kids waiting. We need to get off of the stage. And in the next slide, I felt like Mickey really saw me too. You know? <laughs> Mickey saw me. It wasn't just Liam. He, he saw me. He gave me a hug. He waved to me. And even as we were walking out, I looked back, and Mickey is still waving at us. He hasn't transitioned to the next kid. He, he knows us, right? And, um, in a, and I felt like I wanted to go up to Mickey and be like, do you want to have dinner? You know? Because it's like he looked at me, and he wasn't allowed to say it, but he thought, I watch your, I listen to the same boat. You're Wilson from Renew Church. It felt like that. It felt really intimate. And um, anyways, we leave. And I was just telling Nina, like, man, Mickey is, like, so present. He's so present with people. The next day, I get a text from a friend. And she's like, hey, it was so fun to see you at Disneyland. I was like, why didn't you come say hi? And she said, I did say hi. I hugged Liam. And uh, I gave you a hug, too. I was like, what? Was, like, my memory must not be what it used to be. Because I usually remember hugs, you know? So she was Mickey Mouse, uh, she works at Disney, and, she, and so that's how uh, she saw me. And, have, and, and I knew Mickey, I knew Mickey. <clears throat> I think about the story that uh, Nina's professor gives often. He says, you know, one day um, these guys, fictional story, are lining up, and they're about to get into heaven, right? They're looking at the pearly gates. And then the person in front of him looks back and says, how do you know that they'll let you through the gates? And he says, you see the man, God, sitting next to um, the Father? I know him, and he knows me. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection, Helping Kids Bridge Their Faith with God's Calling in Their Life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal, which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us, on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through... Um, 
through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.